Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder episode 252. Today I'm talking to Erika Schneider, writer, editor, creator, and business coach. She's an expert at building an authentic personal platform and she's focusing on the long game. And yes, you heard that right, personal platform, not personal brand. We'll dive into this pretty fundamental difference during our chat today. Erica discusses her experiencing developing her personal audience and the business around it and her current cohort program to help others do the same. And from the looks of it, that program is pretty successful. As Erica is already sharing her sales figures in public, I can see that it's well north of $20,000 in sales a few days after launch. If you want to learn how to do that yourself, listen to this conversation. A quick shout out to our sponsor, Acquire.com. More on that later. Now, here's Erica. Erica, thanks so much for being on the show. When I go to your Twitter profile, and I've recently done this a lot because I really like your work on Twitter, the first thing that I see is that your header image up there, and it says, prioritize value, win the long game. And I really, really like that. It reminds me of the infinite game, the, the concept of the game that you just keep playing, and that's winning, right? You're winning means getting to keep playing. And why is this something that people actually need to learn? Because most of us probably need to learn this, right? Why are we, when we are trying to build an audience or work on social media, why are we so focused on short-term wins instead of playing the long game? I mean, we're focused on that because that's what all of the gurus and influencers tell us to be focused on, but it's terrible <laughs> advice, which is why it's in my banner. Um, and it's why I talk about it so often. So like building a personal platform, which is my new name for personal brand, which we can talk about later, um, it's it's a long game. It, if you view it as, you know, I need to reach this certain amount of um, followers or I need to make this much money in this amount of time, um, you're giving yourself these really short-term goals. And it's, you know, just to be real, you're probably not going to achieve that right away because so much of what people promise is going to happen is fluffy. Um, so there's a good chance. I mean, most businesses don't succeed. So it's the same deal here. Most people that want to reach these like really lofty goals, they're not going to succeed. And then they're going to feel really bummed and start to feel deflated. They pretend that their ego is not involved, but everyone's ego is involved. Even if we say it's not like it hurts if we don't achieve these goals. Right. And if we don't have the followers that we want and we're not seeing the success. And so we will likely at that point quit, um, take a long break or, maybe turn into a character of ourselves that we don't really like online because we see that that's working for other people. So we go towards this. And if you lead with the long game in mind, it takes all that pressure off. Like you don't have to try to reach some certain, you know, vanity metric. You don't have to do some short term hacky goal. Like you're in this for the long game. And especially if you have a business that you have built or you're building in public, um, then you know, you're obviously, you want that to last. And so if you, you, you need to think of your personal brand, your personal platform as your business in that sense of like, this is me showing up as myself, representing my business. And I want this thing to last. So I'm going to play the long game. I'm going to make this sustainable. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. It's going to have ebbs. It's going to have flows. I'm going to show up every day here. Maybe then I'll have like a life event happen and I won't show up all the time. And that's okay because I'm in it for the long game. So that's why it's so important. 
Yeah, authenticity, right? That's that's at the core of all this. It, it feels hard, honestly, like being surrounded by so many like, these glowing examples of success. And that, that's the thing that the algorithm on whatever platform you're on really pushes towards you. It stays hard to stay kind of accountable to your own authenticity, right? It's so hard. Like, it's the hardest part because especially if you're new, but even if you're not, even if you've been doing this for a while, like you and I, um, these people pop up all the time and the algorithm like shoves it in our face. And it's like, oh my God, I just had, you know, a two day launch and I made $200,000 and now I'm sitting on a beach and like chilling and, you know, freedom and all of this stuff. And I'm happy for those people that have had that success. But again, you know, not everybody needs to do that. Not everybody will achieve that. And that is not the only way to be quote unquote successful online. A lot of the people that I work with have success in the background and they're making like a shitload of money at their business. And it's not like, you're not gonna show up every day online and be like, I signed like five deals today for this and that. Especially if if you have more like, you know, contracts and things that you can't necessarily talk about. Um, but yeah, it's so confusing to see all of these people doing this stuff. And it, it 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 almost makes you feel like you're kind of in like a popularity game and you need to like show off a bit. Um, but yeah, if you lead with if you lead with authenticity um, and you are yourself and you're interacting with people that make you feel good, like it's also another way to just, you know, not really give a shit about that. Like, yeah, OK, good for them. But, you know, they're doing that and I'm doing me. If that's you, like, cool, then you should, you should go for that. And you should absolutely, you can achieve that online. Like, I'm not trying to say you can't, but if that's not you, like staying true to yourself is the best way to sort of sense check that and be like, would I feel happy if that was me? Would I feel happy if I was acting like that? If the answer is no, then you probably shouldn't act like that. Well, that's maybe that's a good good topic to talk about because I feel I, I struggle with this too, particularly having a sizable audience. And I think we both are kind of in the same echelon there, right? We both have like tens, dozens of thousands of, of followers. Like being authentic, sometimes like you, you, I just spiral. It's like, well, is this what I'm doing authentic now that I'm thinking about it as an active act to do on social media, right? Like, is it just me doing the thing or am I talking about the thing as this kind of performative act? How do we like determine even if, an, if something that we share is an authentic part of ourselves? Or is that even possible? What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's so confusing. So I try to approach social media as the same way that I approach relationships in the real world. I'm not going to meet somebody at a party for the first time and just like ramble at them with like a diary <laughs> of what I did that day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's right. So I feel like I feel like people confuse like when we when I when we people like me or anyone says be authentic, they're like, okay, like I had a really good cry last night. I should probably just tell everyone about that. It's like, well, okay. I mean, if I guess if you would tell that to a person you just met and you're comfortable with that, then by all means. But it's it's really it's basically just relationship building at scale. So however you're authentic in your relationships in the real world, you should be that way online as well. And again, like it takes time. I wasn't as quote unquote authentic when I first started as I am now because 
it's like getting to know people. You know, you have to have the conversations. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of listening, you know, and you're teaching people like, why the hell should you care about what I'm going to say? Like, this is who I am. You know, you kind of like putting your your name tag on and then you add to, you know, you add layers to the name tag as you're there and as people get to know you. The, the hard part is that when you're constantly getting more followers, you sort of have to like reintroduce yourself every once in a while. Um so that's why it's so important to have this like diversity diversity in your content. Like you always need to lead with how am I helping? Who am I? Like why am I worth following? And then, you know, when you when you turn followers into fans, you can sort of share more things. Um nobody would have would have cared when I first started that I have nine month old twins and it's like really fucking hard. But now that people know that about me and I say something, you know, like my wife got sick last week and I'm having a hard week, you know, working and also doing childcare. Over a hundred people liked that post because they know me and they give a shit. Like no one's going to care about that at first. So authenticity is, is a journey and it's, it's layers and think of it as more like how you would talk to people in real life and, and not just like, public journaling <laughs> i i think the 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 party example you gave is a is a perfect like just a way to look at this like a little mental framework I, I use this a lot when when people ask me about engagement like how should i engage on twitter or social media in general it's the example that i tend to give it's like well if you go to a party do you just walk to the into the center of the room and start yelling at everybody there about the thing that you're interested in well no right you go to a group of people that are chatting about something you care about you stand there you listen and then at some point you engage it feels like the party like the concept of the real human party can be pretty much applied to most social interactions uh, on social media. But that's the thing. Like you just said something about relatability, right? You want to give people something they can relate to. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to learn which parts of your journey are relatable. Yeah. I, I very much experienced the same thing. I was not as authentic in the beginning as I am now. I think I went from person to persona and back to person. That is my journey. And I kind of feel most people go through that. Did you go through that too? Probably. Yeah. Um, so the reason why I hesitate is that I, I've, I've actually lost part of my memory after mm. having these babies. Like oh, wow. I can't like the past nine months are a bit of a blur. Um, so I started just to give context to that. I started this audience building thing one and a half years ago. And so smack in the middle of where I started to where we are now, I had kids. Um, and so that has just like totally shifted like who I am and how I talk about things. I think when I started, I was definitely a bit of a persona. Like I was the writing head of content person. This is, this is me. Like I train writers, um, you know, everyone, no one knows how to do this. Like I know how to do it better and like all that stuff. Um, so that was the persona. And then, um, I actually had it, something happened to me that changed a lot um, in my point of view. So I actually got very seriously trolled um, from a LinkedIn post. I posted some, it was, it was one of the first times that I got a bit more authentic, I guess. And I was going on vacation. My wife's family lives in Greece. And so I was trying to tell people, hey, I'm actually not going to be posting for a week. Um, by the way, I would never do that now. I would just disappear and come back <laughs> later. But like, I didn't know. And I was like, maybe I should tell people I won't be here. So I told them that, you know, I'm going to this beautiful place in Greece. It's where my wife lives. Like, aren't I so lucky to have this view, essentially? And, um, some, you know, somebody in interpreted that as me bragging about my wife's family being very rich, which is very ironic because um, they have no very little money. And um, 
it ended up in on an Instagram meme page with half a million followers. And so 8,000 people basically get, told me to go die. Um, and so when that happened, that actually paused my authentic journey because I was like, oh, I'm actually going to share absolutely nothing about myself. Um, and I had, a, you know, and I can talk more about like that if you want me to, but I, I paused and I went back to the persona. Um, but it felt it, because I'd been doing this now for several months, it felt like boring. It was like, okay, I'm here. And now I'm just playing this character of like writing Erica. And I can't like, I can't do what my next level of relationship building. So I had like an inflection point. Do I want to just stop altogether because this isn't fun anymore and I can't go a level deeper? Or do I want to say, absolutely, fuck it. Like, fuck anyone that ever fucking comes for me again. Sorry for all the cursing. But, um, I'm just going to be me. I'm, I'm going to go even deeper into me. And I, I chose the latter option. And I'm, you know, I'm glad I did because it's the only way that I enjoy showing up is because I can now talk about me without fear. Um, but I understand because this happened to me, like I understand there's a fear of if I share too much, what if someone comes for me, there's trolls, there's that. It's hard, you know, it's hard. Um, but I do think that naturally with time, as you start to share, like you're going to crave being more authentic. You're going to crave it. So I think I had a similar journey persona, you know, to start and then person and then back to persona because of what happened to me. And now I'm like, oh, I'm just such a person. Like, I, I don't have any time for any of this persona bullshit. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing this. And I, I am interested in how you dealt with this because that that sounds like a pretty strong blow and like a, a very personal one, right? People becoming like envious or, or jealous or whatever it is and then acting it out on, on the internet. How, how long did it take for you to, to deal with this? Like, wh what did you do to to not completely throw everything away? Because I, I know people who just stop being on social media after something like this. Yeah. Um, so I was just lucky that I had a really strong support group. So I was in Greece when it happened. Like I posted it, I got on a plane, I got off the plane and was like, no. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, and my in-laws were just like amazing. It was a very small island. So it was very easy to just like turn everything off, like go to the beach. Um, but I, cr I cried a lot, like a lot. Um, and I was like, this is horrible. I went, um, I deleted the post. Um, I made sure that everything was locked. So nobody could like find any of my personal information on LinkedIn. I locked my Twitter account. Um, and I actually got a random, the way I found out was a random woman I've never spoken to again. Um, she saw the post in the meme group and she messaged me on LinkedIn and she said, Hey, by the way, you are now the subject of these people's hate you should probably hide for a few days, essentially, oh, because this wow. has happened to me. She goes, I was on the front page of Reddit once and it was horrible. And she goes, just lay low. It will pass over and they will find another target. So I was really lucky that I even knew what was happening because this stranger told me um, I locked everything and I kind of just hid for a few days and called friends. Um, my wife's friend is like a very big Instagram influencer. And so I called her and was like, how do you deal with all this hate? You know, like, what am I doing? Cause I had like 2000 followers. I was, I was very small. Um, and she, she told me the same thing. Just, just, just let it pass over. Don't respond to it. Don't say anything and they will move on. And that's what I did. Um, and then about a week later I came back and, you know, just went back to writing tips and things like that. But yeah, I, I cried a lot. I called friends. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, give any air to it though which is what i would recommend 
Yeah, that's that's a good recommendation, and I'm I'm glad you had those people around you. Yeah, like in in many ways, the people around us are the the people that make us happen yeah. <laughs> or allow us to happen. So I'm, yeah. I'm I'm glad you you had your support group that and and also people who who know this kind of stuff like that influencer that just tells you to yeah this happens and then yeah. you just duck and cover and they go for somebody else. Yeah, I think that's 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 good advice. How do you deal with maybe not the large things but just the small everyday Twitter. Uh, obnoxious people that you are probably much more than myself uh, exposed to. Like <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I get them too, but probably by far not as vitriolic or, or stupid as, as you do. Uh, I would, I would assume, I don't know. How do you deal with those people? Well, now I just, so I, I, it depends on my mood, honestly, like <laughs> most of the time I just ignore them and don't give any air to the comments. But if I'm in a sassy mood, like I'll just, I'll just respond and be I'll, with the same energy that they brought to me. Um, yeah. And we'll go back and forth for a bit and eventually they go away. Um, <laughs> but I think someone, someone didn't like my LinkedIn post once they said that it, it was too long and it should have been shorter to get some information. So I, I, you know, I was in a sassy mood and I wrote back, you know, Hey, you have two options. Option one, you can read the post, um, feel the way that you're feeling and move on and just not comment or option two, you can choose not to read the post if you don't like it. And again, move on and not comment, like pick your choice essentially. Um, and it wasn't like a, Oh, you know, you're the worst. And I like, why this, like you, you have to leave emotions off the table. Like it is just people. No, it's never personal. It's always about them. It's not about you. Um, and so you have to just realize like, this is not about you. Um, so you have to just, I just laugh it off now. Like nothing, nothing bothers me anymore yeah. so well I, yeah. with experience right comes the the thick skin in in that regard mm -hmm. do do you think it's worth it like that's that's what i wanted like do you think it's worth it building an audience if this is the stuff that you sometimes have to deal with of course absolutely <laughs> of course the opportunities are quite literally endless like everything in everything good in life is hard They're, like you can't i'm you know you can't shy away from hard things this is what i hope to teach my kids this is how i approach life like things are hard but if you if you want to you know get to that next level you have to tap into things that are uncomfortable and usually when we are at the edge of our comfort zone we're about to have a breakthrough so if you're uncomfortable online it probably means you should be there obviously prioritize your mental health don't like try not to burn out there's ways you can do that but of course it's worth it before i built an audience online i was a, a very good content writer and editor and like two people knew that <laughs> like you know now when I started building an audience I everyone that is an industry peer now knows who I am I started getting invited to speaking gigs podcasts some really big companies tried to poach me which is was exciting and fun um you know all these opportunities started to come my way and then I was like maybe I should launch a side business it won't take that much time um, I have this knowledge. It seems like people want it. So I've now I've made money. I'm building my own business. Like it's, it's insane. The people I've met, my business partner, I met her online. I've got actual friends that I've met in real life. Now it's like, what? it's insane. And I, I literally never thought that was possible before I started. And when I started, I didn't know how that was possible. It just comes. Yeah, that, that, 
that's the thing, right? Like you, you don't know that that is even an option. Like that's, that's my experience too. I just kind of, I started building my audience because I wanted to write and I wanted people to read it. And I knew that there were really cool people that I was already following, but they didn't know me. I knew them. And, you know, in conferences, I sometimes met people and all that kind of stuff. And over time I figured out, oh, wow, there's more to this. It's not just, you know, hanging out and chatting with people. This is actually a generator, like a generator for ideas, for opportunities, for, yeah. for partnerships, for money, like for many, many different things. Yeah. Nobody tells you that really, like, <laughs> to, at no. least not not as um, specifically as you should be told. Okay, so what, one thing that I that I really like about your work is your focus on writing and editing. I think you just mentioned this too, like with the the content uh, writing and all that stuff. Yeah, and audience building and writing to me are almost the same thing. That is my my personal opinion. I don't think you can build an audience without writing, mm-hmm. and I don't mean like writing long form whatever, writing books or something, but writing well phrased prose is an integral part of audience building. Yeah. So, and I guess this is the point where we, we start going into the, the self-limiting beliefs for people because many people want to build an audience, but people don't think they can write. Mm. How do we overcome this perception? Because that's how I kind of started for, I guess, the first 35 years of my life, I didn't consider myself to be capable of writing, mm-hmm. n- neither in my, my native language of German nor in English, the, the language that I learned at some later point, mostly by playing World of Warcraft, but that's a different <laughs> story. You know, like I, I never considered myself to be a potentially capable writer. I was a great software developer, which is also writing, but for machines, but I only later understood that and never thought I could write. How how could I, a couple of years ago, have been have had a much easier time getting into writing as a means to build an audience? Yeah. So literally anyone can be a writer. Um, I think that the first limiting belief that you have to get over is that you need to be some sort of a grammatical expert in the English language to be a writer. Like that's absolute bullshit. It's it's not just bullshit in short form, it's bullshit in long form. Like nobody in the content marketing world that I also live in is paying attention to very, very like, you know, high level grammar. So that's okay. Um, it all comes down to really understanding marketing psychology. Like that's the basis behind good writing, co- good content writing, not books, not journal articles, but um, you have to persuade people to and tap into their emotions so that they give a shit about what you're saying. Um, and I don't mean persuade, like, you know, you have to do this thing that I'm telling you to do. It, my, my way of thinking of it is it's subtle persuasion. It's taking people on a journey. And eventually, if you've done such a good job giving them value, they're going to want to just naturally take the next step. That's in my mind. I, I label that as subtle persuasion. Everybody is subtly persuading everyone in life, too. You know, like, so it's it's like not just, you know, it's not just a marketing thing. Um, so it's very simple. You just have to understand the principles behind what makes good writing. So when I explain what makes a good hook, for example, it's very simple principles. You have to tap into people's emotions, right? You have to intrigue them. You have to, you know, pay attention to small things like getting specific, um, you know, and uh, you have to make sure that you're leaving some sort of a cliffhanger so that they click more. It's all it's all principles, once you grasp that it's this principle thing, then you can get more into the, you know, mechanics of how to actually do that, you know, um, write in active over passive voice, use the simple present tense, um, you know, c- cut redundancy and fluff. Don't use 
adverbs if you don't need to, swap the verb to be for power words. Like there's these checklists that if that means nothing to you, fine. You'll learn it over time. Like that will come. But really like the idea is that you need to to get people intrigued in what you're saying. Um, and if you're brand new, uh, usually you think that you need to tell people, I am this person with all this experience. I've got, you know, 20 years of success in this and that. So therefore, pay attention to me. <laughs> and that's not how any of online writing works. How online writing works is you have to make it you content, not I content. Yeah, that's perfect. I love so, that. I have spent 20 years doing this thing. Um, here is my process to help you achieve very specific thing, right? So credibility, but it's about you. Like, not me, you. But but my credibility is worth paying attention to, but it's about you. So it's a mix. Yes. It's, I love it, that. Yeah. So... Yeah. That's a sorry for interrupting you okay. here, but I, I I think this this is something that uh, once you understand this, um, it becomes so much easier to talk to people in writing, right? Or because yeah, social media is effectively writing, super short form, but it is writing, right? When you spend twenty minutes on Twitter just typing things out, you have just written a little essay, but in many different all the phrases are in different locations, mm -hmm. right? You every reply is part of a larger thing, so it is writing. Is what I'm trying to say, yeah. and the, it starts particularly in social media. It starts in your bio, in your profile, the thing you write about yourself, and in, in your Twitter profile that you're trying to get people to read and then click on follow. And I, I tell people this a lot in the Twitter tedowns that I've been doing over the last couple of weeks. Like everybody, almost everybody has just something in that it says, I studied here, I did this, and now I'm doing this. And that's their bio. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in it for the person reading that bio. It's right. only just about the person of the that has the profile and the, the successful people who build audiences are people who they have a promise. They have a promise of a future relationship right there in that bio. And that is writing. You can just easily say, follow along for weekly insights into this particular topic. And already you stand out from everybody else who just tells you which college they went to, right? That's, <laughs> that, that's where it starts. If you understand this, then everything you do can be something for other people. I really appreciate that. The problem that I had in the beginning and that most people that I see who struggle with writing in particular have is perfectionism, right? The idea that they need to craft the perfect thing how, how can you, how, how does it get easier to write a draft, 80-20, good enough, and send it, right? How, how, how can you convince yourself that that's okay? Look, Twitter is the best platform for that because nine to 12 hours after you post, no one sees it anymore or gives a shit <laughs> yeah, about you. That's right. So <laughs> my, that's my, yeah. my phrase that I've coined for this is you need to develop experimental confidence. Mm. So just, just post but with intention. So I have a big problem with when people are like, just start, like, just get started. It's going to be great. Like, okay. But, you know, you need to have intention behind that. It's a very subtle difference. But if you're just posting and you don't really have like an intention to pay attention to how it's going and how it makes you feel and what you want to say and where it, like, your path forward, then you're kind of just like posting for posting's sake so that you can say I posted. If you post with intention then post whatever you want, but pay attention to how does it feel? How do I feel after I posted that? Is anybody responding? What questions am I getting? Like, ha have people asked me something that is making me realize I need to clarify something more? Or is there a point that actually they're interested in that maybe I could go deeper on? 
Um, who am I speaking to? You know, who do I want to be speaking to? What What am I passionate about? Um, what are people relating to about what I'm saying? If you pay attention to all of that, post, pay attention, refine. Post, pay attention, refine. Like, that is how you start. The perfectionism, it doesn't matter. Like, when I'm editing people's work, a lot of times English is not their first language. And I will le- I will intentionally leave things that aren't perfect because it sounds like them. It's more natural to them. And I'll tell them, you know, on the side in a comment, hey, by the way, if you want this to be quote unquote perfect English, you could rephrase this to say that. But if that doesn't sound like you, don't change it. You know, that's okay. As long as the core like message is clear if it's about you, not I, if you have your credibility, but it's about you, everything that we just went through, like the the little, the where, the place that you put this word or that word, or if you have like a little grammar error, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. We are in the business of grabbing attention through emotions. Like nobody on social media, unless they're an asshole, is going to care about specifically if you said it in the right way. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love the fact that <laughs> like nobody's going to see it anyway. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like in, in some way, at least not after a certain while. But yeah. that, that, that kind of brings me to like a thought here. Like the, the fact that nobody's going to see it, that is something people struggle with, right? Not getting replies, not getting views, not getting likes. And for most people who are just starting to build an audience, that is the reality of most of the tweets that they send. Because if you have like 20 followers and you send a tweet, like five of them are going to see it, if at all. And it's in the middle of everybody else's tweets. And, you know, like it's it's hard to get attention. How do we deal with this? Like that the fact that when we're starting out on a social media platform, nobody's listening because nobody's connected to us just yet. Well, that's the problem right there. You need to go get connected to people. So it has absolutely, like, it, it's another big mistake, one that I personally made that I think everyone makes it. If they don't make this mistake, they're lying. You think, okay, I've got this, like, you know, I am this amazing head of content. Everybody should know that just by going to my profile and seeing that, you know, that badge. <laughs> and so when I say something about writing, people, these random people will listen. Like, absolutely not. So the only way that I started to build traction in my advice to beginners is go reply on people's posts. Like everything in your first few weeks online, even your first few months is about replying. Um, The best way to get attention is on someone else's content that is in one of three categories. Uh, Your peer. So someone in your industry that is saying something that you can lend your point of view to. um, Your ideal audience. So obviously whoever you want. And your ideal audience's audience, Mm. right? So who are they? Like go to their followers list, see who's following them. Like, are there people in that list that maybe could also benefit from some complimentary information? Go intent, and there's a process to this, which we don't have time to get into, but intentionally find these people um, and strategically comment on all of their posts. So when I first started, the easiest way for me to get attention was to go to Um, people that were also, you know, kind of heads of content or owned their own marketing agency um, who were posting advice that I had the experience to be like, I either agree, but here's my also unique angle or actually kind of disagree with this, maybe a little bit contrarian. Um, And that's hard to do at first, but, you know, you'll get, you'll get there. Like I'm super, I'm super spiky and contrarian now, but that was not how it, it started. Like that takes time. Um, 
But the people that have something to add to the conversation are the ones that are going to get paid attention to. So you slowly do that. And then people are like, oh, you're here. Interesting. And maybe they'll hit follow. Um, and then maybe they'll see your stuff and start to comment on it. And then, but you have to continue this commenting habit. I think when people start to see, you know, success and, and people are seeing their stuff, they're like, oh, I don't need to comment anymore. No, that's a killer. Like you always comment. Not only do the algorithms love it, especially on LinkedIn, but People love it. It's a, it's a it's a social platform. Like you don't want to be that person that just disappears and never engages, um, because then people aren't gonna. That's part of the authenticity thing. Like people aren't gonna like feel like you're actually there. It's just robotic. So engagement. Start with engagement. Yeah, yeah. Once you detach because you think you have made it, mm-hmm. you you lose it. That's that's the thing, right? It's a, it's a, it's not just a social network. It's a it's a, it's an organism, and the organism is continuously evolving. And people will kind of push you aside or yeah. just categorize you as one of those people that we're not interacting with anymore because they don't interact with us. That's a big deal. And I love the fact that you walk the walk here. I checked your profile earlier on Twitter, and ninety three percent of the things that you do on Twitter are replies. Like, which is really good. Like when, whenever I see people somewhere north of 75%, it's already quite active in terms of replying. But you, like 93, almost 94, that is substantial. It's really nice to see that you still do this almost at 50,000 followers. You still hang out, you chat with people. You you do give your opinions, contrarian or not. But I love the fact that you'd still do this. And I, I think that also explains why you are successful and why you are capable of telling people how to do it because you've understood the concept of this being a, a kind of a that's the long game right the long game is to have really nice relationships with people exactly. and for that you need to engage with them i'm, I'm really yeah. happy you're doing this i love really engaging cool with people you. because if people take the time to comment even if they're playing you know sometimes you can tell they're playing the reply game like mm. you know or they have an ai generated reply but Fine. You know, we're all we're all doing this. You know, we all know how this works. Um, I I love replying back because a lot of times when when you're someone that has the experience that you and I have, like people, if they're taking the time to say thank you, like it means you really helped them. Or if they have a question, it means that like it'll take you two seconds to help them even more. Yes. So, Uh, yeah. It's really like it's really not that hard. It doesn't take that long. And it's so important. So. Yeah. yeah, and it, it it forges a bond, right? That's the thing with the question. If somebody asks you something uh, as a follow up to your thing, that's that's one of the most wonderful experiences you can have on Twitter. Yeah. is to have an actual conversation, not just an exchange of pleasantries, not just you're know, liking somebody's baby pictures or the vacation <laughs> that they're on right now, which is also nice. It, it forges yeah. a different kind of relationship, right? But the one where you shared something, a thought of yours that they had never thought about, and have a follow up question, and you can can you make their day. You give them something new. You put something in their mind. Right. So what a what a powerful move that is. And you get to have a conversation. I love this about social media, which is why that is also why I'm so active on Twitter. It's just every day is this opportunity for just ch- literally physically changing your mind. Right? Is, yeah. Isn't that isn't that awesome? I just Amazing. That. I mean, right before we hopped on this, I posted something about editing um, and my personal process. And the second that we're done with this call, like I can't wait to go see what people <laughs> yeah. are saying because so much of the advice on on social media about editing is just absolutely horrible. Like it goes as far as like, just read it the next day and you'll be fine. And that's not that's not good enough. Um, <laughs> Let's so dive this- into this, please help, help me because I'm not a good editor for my own work either. <laughs> so I could probably benefit a lot from this. Yeah, you'll, you'll like the post, it's a good one. Um, 
I'm really excited to go engage with people because I'm sure that there's follow-up questions and I'm excited to answer them. And that is another thing. Like you have to find things that are, you're actually excited about in order to play the long game, because I, I can't wait to get back online and talk to people about this. And like, if I posted something that I don't care about, or I'm playing a character of myself, I'm not going to give a shit. I'm not going to want to talk to people about it. So, and then you just kind of like fizzle. And, and again, like people see you as this robotic person that you're just kind of bringing people like to buy a product to make money. Like I actually care about this stuff. And so if you can find that, then that's how you play the long game. You, you'll always want to talk about it. So, so is, is that the, the antidote to the, the performative nature of the reply game is just to care? Well, yeah, caring, <laughs> caring goes a big way. Yeah, yeah I guess. it does. I mean, it goes a really big way. That, that's yeah absolutely like if i if i didn't care like the first thing i do most most of my, my work day i guess after the puppy is wonked and all these mm. little things that i need to do is to go to twitter and see what happened because <laughs> i you know because it's an ongoing conversation too like a thing i said a couple of weeks ago people reply to that still and it's yeah. kind of this this narrative that just keeps keeps uh unraveling which is really cool but and thinking about narratives i guess with you talking a lot about editing, talking a lot about writing, and now the personal platform, which is a concept that I really like as a mm. the, the kind of opposed to the personal brand. Mm -hmm. um, where is this going? Like uh, most of us creators, and I would uh, call you a pretty, pretty uh, uh, huge creator in our space, both in terms of the impact that you have on the community and the size of your following. They, they have this kind of vision of what's what's next, and we work towards that. What is that for you? My vision is to help people authentically show up online in a way that helps them grow their business. So I want to help people do, do what I'm doing, but that are a few steps behind me. Um, and I don't mean that in experience. Like I want to help people, most of the clients that I'm helping at the moment with Casey Jones, who's my business partner, they're older and they've got like 30 years of experience and they're dealing with something that we call the curse of knowledge, where they have so much to share that they don't know how the hell to do anything, but but they're they're potentially they're pivoting in their business or, or they they decided that they need to now join this online game. And so I want to help people from all walks of all walks of life um, from beginners, but but more so to people that have been trying to do this and are struggling because the advice out there is so bad and so templated and so samey and so yeah. growy. I want to help people that look at that and go, Ugh, that's not me. Um find a way to have fun online and build businesses in an authentic way um, and do and, and, and feel comfortable overcoming this fear and going from persona to person and staying in person and, and finding that value in there. And then using that to build relationships and make money, grow their businesses. Um, and so the reason why I can't stand the word personal brand is because when I think of brand, I feel like I'm productizing myself. And when I think of productizing myself, I think of the bros. I just can't help it. That's where my mind goes. You know, it's these it's these people, men and women, who have a very, you know, very Photoshopped image of themselves. Um, or maybe it's the AI mid-journey one where they're looking all like, you know, ooh, at the screen. Um, and they, you know, they all use the same hooks. They're all selling the same thing. They're all talking about the same thing. There's a little personality, but you can tell they're just adding personality to play the game. Like, it doesn't feel real. Um, and they, they dominate the market here in terms of how you should be online. And I want to be the antithesis of that, but I don't want to just be known as someone who's an anti something. I want to be pro you. Right. And so, um, I see this as 
you know, I feel like revolution is a bit a bit strong of a word, but something, you know, it's a movement. It's a movement towards, um, you know, people that have actual experience helping people that have actual experience do this, yeah. right? That is so That's cool. my vision, yeah. I love this. And and the, the the bro thing, that that makes perfect sense to me too. I know you have a history with the term and the fight against <laughs> it. And that, that is that is super exciting just to to look into as well. But yeah, like have you considered dropshipping? Like that kind of stuff. I just cannot handle this. Like it's it's such a bizarre, reductive way of presenting yourself too, right? And I, I love the idea of turning this from brand into platform because also as we are creators who exist on platforms. And this is kind of where my mind goes here. The Twitters, the LinkedIn's and all that. The brand feels like it's something that is just glued on top. I think your your, um, visualization of it, that the mental model of something that people just kind of slather a little bit of their personality on on top of, but not too much, right? For it to still work, for the template to still work. That's the old way of presenting yourself on social media. But now what you're really building is a platform in itself that stands maybe slightly on top, but at least with many different legs on all these other platforms on which we express ourselves and share the things that we care about on social media. The term yeah. makes perfect sense to me. And I love the fact that that's what you've chosen to, to look into. It's really cool. I would love to see a visualization of what you just described, because that's really <laughs> cool. I'm picturing like a big, like, ah, like... Yeah, you know, it's kind of like like an elephant with more legs than just a couple, and you sit on top of it, right? Like the, <laughs> this is kind of like it, it's it's kind of monsterish, but it it feels like you you need to have solid footing in many different areas yeah. to be independent, really, right? As a as a creator, as somebody, even a business owner, like you need to be not just present on one platform. Like if if you rely exclusively on one dependency and they go out of business your business is pretty much done for as well right yeah. so diversification happens on, on many different levels so what what shape is this going to take like right now you're you're sharing a lot you're writing a lot where's this going is this going to be like a like a course or a community where, where are you heading with this yeah so that is a work in progress but for the next step um casey and i are launching a cohort the first week of november um and it's going to be a live in-person training by in-person, I mean, online, um, <laughs> but eventually actually it'd be really cool to do actual in-person yeah, stuff. Um, cool. and it'll, it'll likely be four weeks. Um, and it's going to be us taking you through the journey of, um, you know, figuring out exactly who you're speaking to and your positioning and how you want to position yourself, um, your strategy, for showing up online, so the engagement process um, and getting in the in the minds of the right people, and then your content pillars. What are you talking about? How do you talk about that? How do you incorporate I while making it you? Because that's the one of the most important parts. And then you know more specific like social writing stuff, but um, not too crazy. I mean, there there's other ways that you can learn all of that for free. But really, it's the it's the mastering of, of the editing part. Like, how do I make sure that what I've just presented is actually going to make an impact, which is kind of what I talked about today. Um, and so we'll be running that cohort in November. And from there, I think it'll be, you know, potentially a community down the line, um, a bunch of, of you know, self-serve on-demand courses for people that don't love cohorts. And we'll see where it goes from there. You know, we'll see. We're going to build this in public. So, yeah, that's why I was going to ask you next. So, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're mentioning this. Like, the you're going to be sharing the process and the learnings of, of the whole thing. That's oh, cool. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think starting next week, we're going to have a couple master classes 
um, as like a, a test run up to the cohort to sort of show people like this is what you'll be learning. And, and you know, if you want to learn more, come to the cohort. And when that's done, absolutely, we're going to do a retrospective on how did those master classes go? How did it influence what we're going to put into the cohort? Um, when the cohort's done, it's going to be how did the cohort go? What did we learn? What does our audience really need? And how, how did we help them? And how are we going to pivot in other ways to help them? And yeah, I want to talk about all of it in public. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be exciting, right? That's going to be cohort one and all the learnings from that's going to go into cohort two, hopefully. Yeah. One one question that I have as somebody who also is playing or toying with the idea of uh, turning my more written knowledge into some some kind of active cohort course, is how did you decide like the, the, the format of this? Because as a creator, particularly as a writer and editor, you have a lot of ways that you can communicate the things that you know, right? You could write books, you could do like just uh, self-paced courses, you could do video stuff, you could do audio stuff, you could do a podcast series on this for, for that matter. So yeah, like, how did you get to this, this decision to make it a cohort thing? So the best part about a cohort, because actually, we've actually run two cohorts already, but that was called impactful social writing and, and we're pivoting. So now we have to do another one. And the reason why is we learned so much from the first two, which is why we're pivoting that we now it's the best way to test ideas in, in, in real time with real groups um, of people. So yes, you can test ideas with writing, but if you actually like when you can see people's faces and you can see how it's helped them and you can have these back and forths and they'll ask you questions that you can then go deeper on and then go, Oh, okay. That's something you take all of that knowledge and that's that's what you then bundle into something that's self-serve. So it, it's the test before you build model, even though it's incredibly valuable um, in and of itself. Uh, I don't I don't want to be in the business of running cohorts every month like that is they are from from personal experience. They are incredibly exhausting. Um, and especially if they're going to be four weeks long, you know, it's 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 a full time commitment. Um, so. I I think it's just the best way to make sure that what you're doing is having that impact that you want it to do. And then you can do self-serve models from that. And then, you know, from there, who knows? Maybe I think you should always be interacting with people about these things, though, whether it's one on one or, or two on one or small group coaching. Like it, it's important to get that live feedback. Yeah. I, thank you for sharing this. This is really cool. Like also understanding that it's not going to be like an ongoing, like churning out cohort after cohort, but no. it's like, it's a, it's kind of an MVP, right? You have your minimum viable info product, MVIP, I guess, you know, like the, the thing where you just, you look for the resonance of the thing, of the content, of the individual units and see what works well, what doesn't, what needs refinement. And can you can then take that into other products, into other perspectives on the same thing. That's a wonderful perspective to have, like for yeah. your own journey. Two, I have lots of questions, but two <laughs> questions. Would you do this all by yourself as a solo creator? And I guess secondary, um, like, do you already have a plan laid out for how you're going to use this these learnings like is there a book in the future or is there like a self-paced thing or will you decide that when you're done with it so to answer the first one first um absolutely the reason why i've teamed up with casey is that we both truly believe that if you want to have success you can't just be a writer you also can't just be a strategist so casey's like got decades of experience in business growth strategy 
Um, and she is an absolute genius when it comes to figuring out, you know, who you are, how you want to show up online and all of these things. Um, and so I always tell people that come to me for writing advice, like, do you know who you're talking to and why you're talking to them and all of that stuff? Because anything I'm about to teach you, it'll be valuable. But if you're applying it in the wrong place, it doesn't, it's not going to really matter. So it's the same thing in, in content marketing, you know, when you're, when you're planning a blog, you can have the best written piece on something totally unrelated to what's going to actually drive business to you. It's not going to matter. So um, yes, I can absolutely do solo things and I plan to do solo things on just the writing side, but it, it would be, it would have to be very obvious as a prerequisite, know these things about yourself and then come to me. If you don't know these things, then come to us. Um, if you don't need writing help, but you need help with that, go to Casey. So I imagine, you know, I'll have my thing. I have my thing already, but it'll be more obvious websites and things that we're still building. I have my thing. Casey has her things, but we come together. Um, and I think that's really powerful because so many people do one or the other. Um, and in order to have like a really well-rounded personal platform, you need it all. So that that makes perfect sense. It's kind of why people run well with co-founders that kind of augment their skills. Like Casey is your co-founder, right? That's pretty much what that is. Yes. This is just just not a like a software as a service business like many people in my audience, like indie hackers, understand it to be. But it's an info product. It's an educational business, right? Yeah. You're effectively a school, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Um, I have one big contrarian question okay. at this point <laughs> because I think you might like that approach. Um, can you skip learning how to write? If you, if you want to build an audience, like, do you need to learn how to write or is that, is that optional if you want to go into the game of audience building? Oh, you know, you need to know how to write. Of course you need to know how to write unless you're never planning on writing anything and you're only doing podcasts, for example, but you still need to understand like the basics of how to move people from A to B that's writing. So scripts for things or the like thought processes or mental models of conversations. That is essentially writing. You have to understand the principles behind writing, which is cohesion, coherence, you know, um, a structure that makes sense, how to tell a story, how to center the reader, all these things. I, I think your question is based in what I, questions I get a lot, which is like, who gives a shit about, about, you know, sentence structure and, and, uh, you know, all of these specific, I think when people think of writing, they think of like English teachers that are obsessed over like little, little things with red pens. Um, My whole purpose of showing up online and talking about, you know, writing every day is the mechanics, like, yeah, sure. Like learn them if you really actually want to go be an editor, but otherwise like learn the principles, like the principles behind writing, are are writing just as much as copy editing is writing. And when it comes to editing, like I spend most of my time making changes, literally saying like, why does this matter? What do you mean by this? Like, how do you help the reader here? Much less suggested edits in order to make it sound better. You know, that's later. That's later. Yeah. Like writing is thinking, right? You have to learn how to think and how to convincingly structure arguments so that other people feel compelled to believe them and and want to know more right that's what yeah. writing is i i love that that's thanks for for making a case for writing like as somebody <laughs> who had to work his own way into writing i i feel this this is what what made it click for me is yeah. that writing is just thinking clearly and then conveying it to other people yeah. so 
if, if you don't want to learn that, then why are you like con- conversing with other people? <laughs> right? That's, that's kind of where writing is important. The only thing that I see often enough, unfortunately, in people, even experienced people, and I bet you, you also have uh, run into those people, they have experience of decades of being an expert in that particular field, yet they think the people around them, they already know this kind of stuff. What do I even have to say? Like the yeah. things that I know, like they're not going to be a big contribution. I would rather not write about them because I think people already know them. How do we deal with this kind of self-limiting limiting belief, obviously? Literally, the, the answer is nobody else is you. So nobody else has your specific experiences, your specific point of view. Um, so that that is the answer. Every single time you think someone else has said this already, cool, but like, Cool. You experienced the same exact thing that they're ex- they experienced. What's your what? What's the what was the moment that you experienced that? What's your story? No one else has that. Because um, I I felt the same way when I first started. No one else needs to needs to hear about content writing on social media. Everyone talks about that. But when I really reflected, I thought like, what am I most passionate about, and what can I add to this conversation that I don't see a lot of? Editing, right? Like no one talks about editing. Um, but also. You know, even even little things like everyone loves to say, write the hook first or write the introduction first. If if I if I actually think it's better to not do that, that is a that is an angle to the conversation. That is saying something else, you know. And if I completely agree, then I could say, yeah, actually, I do agree. Here's my specific process for doing it. That might be different than someone else's. That could help someone. So no one else is you, like. Everyone has said everything. Everyone knows everything, but like no one else is you. So you deserve to show up and please show up. Yeah, it's it's like the, the hero's journey, the monomyth, right? The idea that every story is effectively the same story. Like mm-hmm. Harry Potter is Star Wars. It's the exact same thing. Like orphan goes, finds Jedi master wizard to help them through their life. That's just the same story in different clothes. But we have a completely different access to that story mm-hmm. because of the unique coloring of that story. And you're, you're 100% right. Your lived reality or my lived reality gives rise to things that other people would never experience because just, you know, randomness of life, you see things that others don't, and that is worth sharing. And I'm really glad you're encouraging people to do this because I think everybody should write, everybody should share. Building in public is a big thing that I stand for because I feel feel for founders, for creatives, this is the way to make people aware of what you do Mm -hmm. and get the success in doing it by having people, you know, contribute their energy, their investing their time and and, uh, reputation and money and friendship and partnership and that stuff into you and your platform. Not going to call it brand anymore. I really like your phrase. Um, Thanks for for helping people finding their way to that. If people want to find their way to you and your expertise in all these subjects, where should they go? Yeah, so on Twitter, it's at Erica's my name. So E-R-I-C-A-S, my name. On LinkedIn, it's Erica Schneider. Um, But really, there's just a big push right now to get everyone to the Power Your Platform newsletter. So it's in both of my bios that I just mentioned. So we would love if you join the newsletter because we're just giving like tons of really good, valuable information away in the newsletter. So us generally a good move for any creator is to have people become part of their own platform which the newsletter very much is so i highly i highly recommend subscribing to this newsletter and then if you are a creator listening to this thinking about how you can have your own newsletter as well to get people um into your own platform thank you so much erica for for joining me today and sharing all these wonderful insights into building audiences and writing and editing that was really really wonderful thank you yeah thanks so much for having me pleasure And that's it for today. 
For most entrepreneurs, info products and services like the ones we talked about are stair-stepping milestones, as Rob Walling would say. Many of us want to end up building SaaS businesses and getting there and running them is a whole other ballgame. Let me talk a bit about our sponsor today, Acquire.com. Imagine this. You're a founder who's put all this energy into building a business, took years to get there, and you built a really solid SaaS product. You acquired customers and everything is generating consistent monthly revenue. The problem is you reach the ceiling, you're not growing. And for whatever reason, you don't really know. Is it lack of focus or lack of skill or just plain lack of interest? You just know you feel stuck. What should you do? Well, the story that I would like to hear is that you buckled down and reignited the fire in you, the entrepreneurial fire. You got past yourself, the cliches and all that, worked on the business rather than just in the business, and you start building this audience you always wanted to build, move out of your comfort zone, do sales and marketing, the stuff we really don't want to do as technical founders, and six months down the road, you've tripled your revenue. Reality? unfortunately, is not that simple. The situation is different for every founder who's at this point. But too many times, the story ends up being one of inaction and stagnation because you don't know what to do. And then the business becomes less and less valuable and ultimately worthless. So if you find yourself here, or your story is likely headed down a similar road, I can offer you a third option. Consider selling your business on Acquire.com because capitalizing on the value of your time today is a pretty smart move. And Acquire.com is free to list. They've helped hundreds of founders already. Go to try.acquire.com arvid and just see for yourself if this is the right option for you today. You don't have to sell, but you can, and Acquire is gonna help you with that. Thank you for listening to the Boots of Founder today. You can find me on Twitter at Avidkal, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. Please say hi, and you'll find my books and my Twitter course there too. If you want to support me in the show, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. That would really help. Get the podcast in your player of choice. That would really help. And leave a rating and a review. That would really, really help by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. Any of this will help the show. And it's you don't have to do it. It's not obligatory, right? So thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.